everyone. Welcome to the Self-Awareness Journey Podcast. I'm Melissa Albers. And I'm JJ Parker. This podcast is for seekers, seekers of happiness and joy, seekers of a centered approach to success in life, seekers of their true authentic selves. Get ready for some real talk on everything from anxiety, emotions, and habits to love, compassion, and forgiveness. We know you'll be challenged and enlightened by this conversation. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Well, Kurt, welcome to the Self-Awareness Podcast. Um, I am here to introduce Kurt Rakus, who is a partner at Skywater Search Firm here in Minneapolis. And um, Kurt and I are also friends, go back a ways. Yes, um, we do. Yeah. So welcome welcome to the podcast today. Welcome, Thanks for Kurt. being on. Thank you so much. Love what you guys are doing. <laughs> well, we kind of do too. <laughs> Well, we, that, that comes across. You guys are having fun sharing and, and messaging well. Yeah, yeah. So today, Melissa, I'm pretty excited about this conversation. Yeah. Because we're going to talk about the great resignation, right? <laughs> yes. We're going to talk about how it is to have a job and be an employee and be an employer uh-huh. in the time of COVID when people have been really, really uh, soul searching, right? Really yeah. thinking about what is their place in the world, right? And does their job and everything fit what Mm -hmm. they really value? Mm -hmm. It's a crazy time. It is a crazy time. When Kurt and I were going back and forth just preparing for today, you know, I said, boy, the great resignation is such a really interesting thing to talk about. But Kurt, you had a different perspective of it. And I'd, I'd like to hear a little more about that. You said, I think we should call it something different. Yeah, I've, you know, I've, it is the great resignation. A lot of people are leaving uh, the workforce. A lot of people are evaluating what they want to do uh, more than they probably ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the great resignation probably applies in, in, in the areas that we don't recruit as much and where I think there's a lot of it if you're in that kind of hourly, you know, mm-hmm. you know, role or you have two part time jobs or I think there, there's a lot of options. There was a lot of funding to help those people kind of breathe mm-hmm. and catch, mm-hmm. catch their breath a bit. And that probably is a great resignation where a lot of those people literally just left and didn't really maybe didn't have a plan. And yeah. and then there's a lot of people, I'd say, on the other half of that are who are, you know, maybe at the 10 years into their career. And I'd call it more like the great migration. I think mm. that they were sitting there and thinking, hey, I'm leaving and and I and I actually kind of know what I don't want. But I, I also know what I do want. And and I think those people, there are people, a lot of people that are uh, in that stage where they're actually trying to. They're, they're, it's a little bit more calculated mm-hmm. um, and they, they've really defined what they don't want and what they do want. And one example would real simple one would be is um, people working at home. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they're working at home. They're not in uh, getting in their car at six o'clock. They've got a family. They're trying to balance all these things out. All of a sudden they come back to this or go to this environment where they're now being heavily in flexibility and they're, and they're productive. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, holy smokes, I've just shaved three hours off of my day and um, I'm more productive and I can be a parent, I can be uh, whatever I need to be at home and balance out. I think that was a a big factor. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, what are some of the things like one of the things in my coaching, I've had a lot of people or not a lot, but I would say a percentage of people who have never before start asking me questions about like, you know, I, I just, I'm kind of burned out. You know, like I've reached this, I've reached this level, but I'm, I'm fried. And I'm just wondering if I should, if I should just leave my role and I don't really have another job, but I, you know, everybody's talking about how, 
how easy that would be to, you know, get a different role. And maybe I should just give myself six months off and take a break because so many people seem to be talking about that right now. Have you been hearing stuff like that? Yeah. And I think there's different stages of that. I think the person that literally wants to take a step back and not do anything, that's probably a little different. And then a lot of times I'll get people that don't really want to take the six months off, um, but they're really not happy where they're at. And, and they're, um, but in, in successful, I could think of three or four people that come to mind even now that are doing their job, doing very well, and something's changed or there's now they're starting to think different. I, I, I get asked three or four times a year from, you know, people like that, you know, I've been, you know, I had one individual reach out to me and say, Hey, I, um, I want to get your opinion. I've got some other people's opinion. And it was, um, the person was actually considering just leaving and then in pursuit of another role and a leadership pretty top, you know, they're top 10% in a company. Yeah. And I, my advice was, I said, you can do what you want to do. I, I probably wouldn't do that. And I, I think that's, um, I think there's a few things. One is what you should do. First of all, if you think you're going to not be at a company and transition out, you still owe your employer the, the, the time and the effort. So you know, I'm not saying, you know, quit, you know, working at the company and get paid and go look for a job, but you know, you can do both. There's search firms out there that can help you identify opportunities and you can work within the network. But I think one of the reasons I say don't do that is that things can change in your situation um, that may change your even thought of leaving or at least extend your time there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think from a leverage perspective, I just think it doesn't really help your, your cause. Um, I think mm-hmm. you can do both. And, and yeah. so because I think you lose a lot of leverage when you do that. So yeah. it's not that that's the right way, but that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of uh, a lot of folks thinking like the grass is greener on the other side. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of that. And especially especially if you're kind of uh, emotionally tired at, mm-hmm. or been at a place for a long time and you start thinking, well, maybe it is better at that other at that mm-hmm. other company. And almost every time it's not. No, yeah. I'd say it, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. And it's it's and if it is greener on the other side, you're going to find that out anyway through that process without having to leave your job. Mm. Yeah. But um, but I do believe that's a big misnomer. If you're with a really good company in a very specific role and your your company's reputable and your customers are the same or what whoever you're servicing, it isn't in most cases unless it's specific to one person from a leadership perspective wise. But I'd say that's um, it is probably greener about 10 percent of the time and uh, the other 90 percent is probably not. It's more wishful thinking, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. The great migration. I like that. Let me let, let, is there anything else you want to add to that before we switch gears? Because I want to move into other. Okay. Maybe just on the migration pieces. I think that just the difference is I think the, the message or the, when you hear it on the news, when I hear the great resignation, it just sounds like everybody's quitting and nobody's doing anything. And that's why I think the great migration is more applicable to a lot of those people. They are leaving and they know what they're looking for, or at least they know what they don't want. And right, so right, right, I think right, that's right. where the great migration, where I watch mm-hmm. it online, it's like everybody's quitting, just sitting at home watching TV or something. And mm-hmm. that I don't think that's the case. I think there's maybe a segment of it, but that's yeah. where the migration part, they're just, they, they're going in a different direction. Mm. Yeah. Just with that idea of the great migration, do you find, you know, when we're talking about uh, employees maybe looking for, for a company that maybe is, you know, greener on the other side, right? But do you see uh, employees coming to you and saying, hey, I want to be, I want a new job, but it has to be specifically like 
work from home, flexible hours? Like, are they putting kind of these, um, what I'd say more like culture requirements on their new position more than they used to in the past? A hundred percent more. Yeah. It's, um, we message, you know, give some perspective. In 2021, we filled 500 roles. So that means we probably worked on six or 700 different projects, which means we probably interacted with seven to 10 candidates per role. So we're talking to a lot of people. Yeah. It's a supply and demand thing right now. The, yeah. uh, the demand is for talent and, uh, it, and it fluctuates. And so now when you, if, we, if you reach out to somebody, one is they're being reached out to, if they're really talented, they're reaching out, getting reached out by a lot of people. So to even, you know, have a conversation that you're getting a criteria, many times a criteria. And one of them, I'd say the biggest criteria right now is this work from home. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's more unique and different now than ever, only because everybody was forced to, not everybody, but yeah. and many were forced oh, yeah. to go home. So now they have something they never had. Right. And, and now they're like, well, no, this is what I have. Or if they are thinking about leaving, they're leaving because now their company's asking them to start coming back. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, criteria. And it's, a, again, a supply demand and then all the craziness that's gone on. I mean, whether it's the political situation, right. whether it's downtown Minneapolis, you right. want to be down there uh, now. Um, everything's cyclical, though. And yeah. so, but yeah, there's a lot more demands on the candidate side. And that's just to have a conversation. As an as a as a um, somebody who is working with a lot of employers, how do you manage that conversation with the employers hiring people? Do you suggest that they become more flexible about their culture, or do you not get into that at all? You simply just no, we do, bits? we do. So kind of through the process, you're you're recruiting on behalf of a company, and and you're trying to educate them to the marketplace, whether mm-hmm. it's the economics, whether it's you know what they what they want to pay and what they really can get. And so it's, it's, um, our dialogue gets pretty deep, you know, we're mm-hmm. not just zinging resumes mm-hmm. right? and, um, and that's one of the things that's coming up a lot. Um, Hey, by the way, you know, hybrids coming into play more, you should really think about that mm-hmm. if you don't want to do that. And we'll tell them, we're not, we won't tell them what to do, but we'll tell them the search, the circumstances that will come out of their decision. Mm-hmm. If you want everyone to come to work every day and you want talent, just know that, 30% of those people aren't even going to look at the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you just have a smaller window or a yeah. smaller grouping of people. Mm-hmm. We have that, you know, we're given pretty updated intel of what's going on in the market. Yeah, I mean, and it is a like market. A, a math. That's, that's, the thing. that's just like the math, right? Like your talent pool just shrunk if you need everyone to come into the office every single day. Exactly. And so yeah. if you wanted to see five people and compare, you might see one and you better move fast. And so <laughs> that's the way we try to educate yeah. them. And it really is a market, just like the stock market. Things ebb and flow and, and change. And right now it's a candidate driven market. Yeah. I want to I want to I want to ask you something. And we, we didn't use the term BS meter, <laughs> but, you know, we were kind of like, well, what's kind of interesting to talk about in this space? And I, I think one of the things that I was really curious about was like, how people show up for you. Like you have been working with people just like me for decades. Like you, and, and, and I'm sure like me, you can, you kind of have a BS meter, right? Like you can read people really, really well. And I actually was wondering, like, even in this conversation of the, from the employer perspective of making a role look a certain way because they're trying to attack, attract talent. Are you finding employers trying to quietly hide certain ways that they still Mm. really believe, but they don't want to show that or do you see people kind of playing that game a little bit? I, I think there's employers that are t- trying to position a certain way and then we call it out because yeah. the, the reality is, is we, we don't want to put candidates in front of them mm-hmm. 
that are going to be misled or are going to get hired and 90 days later uh, are going to feel like they were uh, not given the right information. And so we'll call that out. Yeah, I think there's, you know, and then sometimes what will happen is quite honestly, an employer will, and this is what gets people to leave too, is an employer will make promises mm-hmm. um, and, and then they'll change their mind. And uh, mm-hmm. whether it's compensation, whether it is the hours, and so um, we try to snuff that out and then we try to, you know, prepare the candidate for it. And then we'll have situations. It's not a lot, but probably 5% of the time something changed. That's the mm-hmm. whole thing that makes people leave, by the way. Yeah, something I was just going to ask you about yeah. that. Tell me about that. Because why are people leaving their jobs? And you had some great feedback on that. Well, I'd say that, you know, pre-pandemic or even where we're at right now, you know, when people make a job change, something's happened in their life. Mm. or something has happened at the business mm. and it's usually a change not always but you know i don't think people just wake up one day and say i need a change but mm-hmm. it's usually something's going on um and the change externally or within the organization they're in the company was acquired mm-hmm. uh they're, they're they didn't get the promotion the um they a new leader that they don't see gelling you know so those are the things that they don't wake up and decide hey i'm leaving tomorrow because it worked out this way but it's it's on their mind mm-hmm. that's yeah that's a and that's what we call builds. it right. yeah, yeah builds and that's that passive candidate a lot of employers want mm-hmm. and then sometimes it can be personal sometimes it can be a you know tough situation at home it could be um your the your kids and the and the dual incomes and trying to manage all that it can be the mom and dad that needs more time or the, you know, the grandparent or whatever, but it's, it's something, the priorities are changing. And, mm-hmm. and then the thought process is, is, is this manageable? And is there a different way to do that? I think is usually the driver, um, some, something's changing and it's got them thinking they might have to do something different mm-hmm. and it can be good too. Sometimes, right. uh, you know, significant other, um, got a huge promotion and, and um, and the balance between two people working no longer makes sense. So many times it's good. It's not always bad. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes there is that general where somebody is just kind of generally bored or unhappy for a really, really long time. And so even when they wake up and sit up in bed in the middle of the night and say, I got to get out of this job, it's still not a knee jerk reaction. It's been building for a long time and they maybe just didn't admit it to themselves or they didn't even actually have the awareness of how uncomfortable they were. So even in that situation, it's more of a long pull, right? Yep. And sometimes the change can happen without leaving the company. The change mm, can that's be, interesting. well, I'm working five days a week and I can do this at home two days a week and I, I, I need to balance this out. And we mm-hmm. just had that happen here. And, and uh, our controller, um, she's got two kids and, and she can do much of her work there. And, and it, it made total sense on both sides. We didn't want to lose her. Right. And we also wanted, uh, you know, she wanted that work-life balance and it didn't affect her job. And so sometimes you can, if you're in that situation, you can talk to people and, and maybe everybody can stay, be happy or happier and still get the same results. Yeah. So it's like just having really strong communication back and forth yep. and being willing to do that, even if it's an uncomfortable conversation, right? I think there are a lot of people um, are really, really afraid of what they think the truth is. Yeah. And they may not even know what the truth is. Um, you know, so they just avoid conversation for a really long time and tell themselves stories about what it will actually be like. Yeah. yeah. I, I had an employee that wanted, this was a very long time ago, shift to a work at home model. Mm-hmm. And that was you know really new at the time. And she, uh, 
when she asked me, she came up and said, I've been thinking about this for two months and I've been scared to ask you. And to me, I was like, uh, yeah, I don't care. Go ahead. Like, it was like a non-event on my side. She had built it up to such a huge thing. Yeah, that's what um, people do. That's what people do. That's just so common. And well, think about that, though. You, you, so you as a leader are very approachable or you think you are. And your right. answer was very quick. What if you're the leader that isn't? Yeah. What if you're the leader that is intimidating yeah. um, or, or un, viewed as unapproachable? Yes. Yep. Well, you may never get that conversation and then that person leaves. Yep. And so, you know, that's another thing from a leadership perspective is that, you know, understand that things change. Yeah. And um, if, you know, if you can still do the job, does it really matter? Now, some jobs do if you're in manufacturing and you need to of be course, on, on, yeah, yep, premise, on the floor. But, yeah. Yep. So that is so good. I, so that like kind of leads me to this question I was thinking about as you were talking is like when you're talking about different leaders and having to sort of adjust and be willing to have conversations with um, employees. How important is it, do you think, that the people skill of the leader is as good as the expertise of the leader? Like how, if you were to take those two things and balance them out from what employees feel safe with and want, do you have any feedback about that? Yeah, I'd probably, I'd say, you know, maybe there's a little bit more wiggle room on maybe what your product or your service is, but I'd still would say, you know, if you're in a service business, we're in a service business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about people. Mm-hmm. It's all about process, people, and ethics, and things like that. But it's about the people. So if we don't, if we're not viewed as approachable, or it's our way or the highway, um, you're going to lose people. Yep. And and you might lose people that that you don't want. And I think so. I would say that at this stage, and I watch as you know, I'm one of the more senior partners and soon to, you know, not soon to be departing, but, you know, <laughs> one of the first, but I see as our leadership, grow, you know, evolves yeah. below us. Yeah. It, it's, you know, we're all, we're all human. Many of us have families, many of, yeah. So being approachable and having those dialogues and do it for self-preservation, do it for your benefit, quite honestly. Right. Exactly. And so, right. yeah, I'd, I'd say it's really crucial. Yeah. You know, I, one of the things I always try to do, I always in at all levels, um, I try to view it from someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. I may not, even in, in disagreements or in, 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 in situations where we don't agree, but for me, I need perspective. It's healthy for me to have perspective, and I always try to see it through the lens of the other person. Mm-hmm. It's easier to process and understand that. And so I would yeah. say it's, it's important, and it's, it's, it's becoming more and more important. Yeah. And you know what? That's like almost I and I couldn't agree with you more. And you are that way. I've just experienced many, many times we've gotten to work on projects together and you're very much that way. And I've always appreciated that about you because I try to be like that, too. It's like you really can't like even a negotiation like I love negotiating, which is weird. Most people hate it. I love it. And my number one tenant in that is that both sides have to be happy. You know, you can't, you cannot be abusive or you cannot, that's an extreme, but you cannot be controlling and like a dictator in, uh, in a two-way partnership in any way, shape or form, even at the beginning of a negotiation, because that energy sticks with the person, you know, they just, they, they completely feel that. I think there's kind of a rub too, like herein lies the common rub, I think in promotions and succession planning for organizations, like, especially if it's a, a highly analytical organization or a product or service that has a lot more technicalities. You end up having people that their expertise is also very much that way, more analytical, more technical. And as a result, often they have less people skill. 
and not because they don't want to, it's just not as much on their radar. So you get people that become highly skilled in their role and all of a sudden a management job opens and what happens? People say, oh, we'll just promote that guy or that woman mm -hmm. into a leadership role because they've been such a strong single contributor. And then that person has no skill because they've never thought about it or never been trained about how to be interacting with people. I mean, I, I just think that's a common thing. And right now, even more so. That is so Well, and there are certain people that are wired that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just going to say, <laughs> IT, um, it, it isn't, be, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a criticism of IT people right, or right. engineers. No, no, it's not. It's a just the way they're wired. Yes. And, and you're right. And so they're, they're really good at what they do. They're very technical. But also those strengths that come about with, you know, people that maybe don't have the personal skills as much, they can sit and grind out eight hours in their cube yeah. and be extremely productive. And then you got people like me who love to talk to people, get distracted real easy and can talk to everybody, but I can't focus all the time on getting everything completed. So you're right. It, and that's a very common situation. You want to elevate people, but you also have to prepare them Yes. Uh, yeah. or else in, like in your world, you got to coach them mm -hmm. to yeah. improve in those areas or to get better in those areas that they weren't really trained to do. Yeah. We started talking a, a little earlier about, you know, authenticity and being willing to be honest about what your own skill is or willing to give feedback to others in which their skill or their, you know, their strengths are not exactly what was originally thought of, you know, and I started saying, I, I asked you the question, you've been in this role for so long. When you have candidates come to you, or even employers who are trying to spin a certain thing. Tell me about your BS meter. How can you read through people? You yeah. know, when they're trying to posture a certain way, like what do you see? So I would say it's really easy, quite honestly, for us at least doing it a long time. You you said so long, so long. You said that so long. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, but I, I'm just, no, totally minutes, joking. You, level of no. mastery in 12 minutes. Exactly. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but what I would say is the BS meter is fairly easy because the interviewing process, I think, has evolved and it's mm -hmm. much more behavioral. Oh, so if you gave an example of, um, you know, do you, if you have, if it was a sales role, sales leadership role and, and you, and a big component was to build out a sales group and, and a hands-on management style. Mm -hmm. You know, 15 years ago, you may say to a sales successful sales leader, hey, this is what the role is. And um, can you see yourself doing that? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> can do anything. Yeah. Love do anything. that. Now, now it's the, hey, this is what the role is. And it's about developing salespeople. It's hands-on. It's going to interface with the customer. You're going to, you're not going to sit in the office and, and, and look at spreadsheets. You're actually going to get your hands dirty. You're going to be out in the field. You're going to get in the car, whatever it may be. Can you give me examples of that? And, 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 and because the employer is going to ask you that, or yeah. if it's about, can you tell, tell me about a situation where you went into a sales organization and they were at X and you, or Y and you needed to get them to X. Um, it, you know, 15 years ago was, can you do that? Would you do that? Would you like that? And it was almost like a yes or no response. Now yeah. it's a yes. And then we're like, okay, great. Explain that to me. <laughs> and so it's real experiences. And mm -hmm. sometimes people will BS a little bit on it, but through the interview process, as they get handed off to the client, they're going to, client's going to dig in on that. And mm -hmm. a lot of times the feedback will be is, you know, we talked about that. I just, we talked about it and then it kind of went into another story. Right, right, right. And it wasn't, and that's how you can sniff a lot of that out. Real uh, behavior, real examples 
uh, be able to articulate them. What happened? What was this, you know, what was the situation? What did you do and what was the outcome? Um, that kind of helps alleviate a lot of that. So if you're a candidate, it, you're going to potentially get called out on that. And if you're an employer, if you really follow that rule of thumb, you know, what was the situation? What was the action and what, what was the measurable result? Yeah. That helps kind of clear the air. Yeah. Kurt, let me ask you like kind of like uh, an extension of that. We talk a lot about core values. Um, Melissa and I, we run, I mean, I run my company very strongly on the core values and we try to like hire and fire primarily on our core values. Do you work with uh, employers and candidates to try to get like a, of core values match between the two, you know, just does this kind of beyond like skill and experience? No, I think it, in our roles and typically our roles are really mid to senior, senior leadership roles. So that, that person's going to have a pretty big influence on the business and it has to be aligned mm-hmm. and whether it's, whether it's ethics, whether it's how you treat people, um, whether it's how you treat customers, uh, it has to align because mm-hmm. uh, we do the same thing. Um, you, you can be a, you know, you can be a top producer in some companies and, and, you know, and many still, and, and what you've been able to get away with for 15 years, That's so great. you can get yeah. away and that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more and more, you know, that, but also that, that person that gets away with that is always been in the same role. They don't ever get elevated. Um, but, um, yeah, you have to match them because it is, it's you as a business owner know it. it it's even, I mean, that's kind of the thing is we're talking, what we're talking about is what other companies are doing, but we're also running businesses. Yeah. We're trying to do the same thing we're trying to help our clients with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This has been such an interesting conversation. Do you have other, JJ, did you have another question? <laughs> I just like, like this topic. I was going to riff on this topic really... a little bit. Um, well, what I was wondering is. A lot of people will sort of like say they have a particular core values or or when you ask them like, you know, for instance, like one of our core values is uh, continual improvement, right? And people are like, oh, yeah, no, I'm always trying to learn stuff. But kind of like what you said, like when how do you really get down to like, do they truly feel that in their gut, right? Is that really, truly Oh, who they are, or are they just kind of faking it for a bit? And so my question to you is like, can you kind of tell when candidates are faking some of this stuff and oh, yeah. not really yeah. in, you know, not really being honest with themselves? With themselves. Yeah, I, think, I think what they're doing is, themselves. well, that's the, that's the, you know, you dig into the details, right? And then are you talking about it or are you articulating situations or examples of it? Everybody oh, yeah. can talk about anything, right? Yeah. But y- yeah. if you dig into the details of it, so if you have core values or if you have continuous improvement in your career and it's important to you, walk me through some examples where, you know, in your last role or where you've been able to do that is, is a great way to, to cover that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of address it. It all comes down to getting into the specifics and not accepting yes or no as answers. That's right. part of the answer, but yes, but explain. Uh huh. I, you know what I, what I like about this is that even with some of the way I was thinking about this topic earlier, even the way that you're describing this, it sort of fleshes that out. So even if people are in a, a position of not being completely honest with themselves as they enter into the experiment of looking for a new job, um, even if by the time they go through a process such as yours, there's really no way to hide. It is what it is. Like it yep. becomes very obvious how the person is even to themselves, I would imagine, because you can only make up a story for yourself so long. Totally agree. 
it or and it's there is really no hiding it's it's i think i think sometimes people think there's a bit of a mystique to to mm -hmm. interviewing and hiring mm -hmm. in mid-level and above not really i mean because you you're we're dig it's a deep dive this isn't a five-minute conversation right. and send a resume to a client this is a pretty you know, yeah, if you reach out to a candidate, you're going to have a upfront. You're going to have, you're going to you're going to talk to them probably three different times before they even go to the client. Mm -hmm. um, and then then and we're quality over quantity. So if I'm going to submit somebody to a company, uh, we're going to have pretty granular detail to why we're sending them mm -hmm. and why we think they're a good fit. Yeah. And yeah. so I th I think there is sometimes a sense is a like well we really don't know. Right. Yeah, you do. I mean, I'll give one example. If you have had a candidate that has had five jobs. In six years, there's real no mystique to that. They make changes about every 13 months. Mm -hmm. You're not probably going to change them in your next, you know, career move because that's mm -hmm. their past behavior is a pretty good indication of their future behavior. That's so good. That is really good. Yeah. So this is the self awareness journey podcast, right? So we have to talk about <laughs> self awareness. <laughs> I'm self aware of that. <laughs> well, Melissa and I talk about like. Uh, when people uh, are in their authentic or actor self, right? And when, you know, when you're interacting with anybody, but especially when you're interacting with somebody who you want to like give a good impression to, you can easily kind of flip into that actor self and, you know, kind of like make yourself look like just a little bit smarter, just a little bit, you know, calmer, just like a little, whatever you're trying to, tune for we can we sometimes say that like our brain is our like pr agent right so we're constantly trying to like um put this on but um can you tell when people are kind of moving into that like that actor mm. self where they're just putting on a little bit of a front and then when they're moving back to like really their authentic like this is mm. just who they are self you know i would say and i totally agree the interview process is like kind of dating or courting a little bit, yeah. you know? And so I would say a one way to kind of, a lot of employers will do, I don't know if I'll answer it, I'll answer it in a different way uh, with our, our clients, but maybe even internally what we do is, um, you know, I think at the end of the process, there should be some, you know, especially if it's a strategic hire, um, some form of interaction in a non-interviewing environment mm, where everybody yeah. lets their guard down helps. And now you're meeting the person because I think we all do that, right? I, I was, we all do that. This call at eight o'clock, right? I, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was preparing. I wasn't just going to come in, right? And then, right. but over time, you, you get a sense. So I think meeting people in a non-work environment, meeting the peers, I think yeah. helps. One of the things we do is when we hire is we, we pretty much say that if there's somebody we're really interested in, and it's, it's for two reasons. One is they can talk to anybody they want in our organization. Anybody, go to the website, mm -hmm. pick who you want to talk to, and you don't. And you don't. We, we don't even need to know what you talked about, but feel free to reach out to them. But a lot of times, what we'll do is for us internally is we'll have some of our people meet with them, the individuals that we're looking at hiring, to get their sense of gauge. Is it does it fit? You know, yeah. our values. Does it fit our culture? Yep. Um, high, per, we're kind of a high performing culture that yes, you does are. things yep. very ethical. But we're very there's there's not everybody's a type A in here, <laughs> um, and but also they have to be ethical and do things. And so so there's ways to kind of decipher mm -hmm. that because I don't I, I think in a formal environment we all prepare to some degree. Mm -hmm. It's just natural. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good that's such a good answer. Kurt, is there anything that we haven't asked you about that you want us to before we 
come to an end of our great conversation? Well, maybe I'll just throw a comment, I guess, as mm -hmm. somebody that's been doing this for 20 years, um, that I think probably most importantly, what I have learned mm -hmm. in my, I guess, what I've become aware of and, and clear is, is how important it is to be from leaders to the people you hire to really being authentic of who you are mm -hmm. and treating people that way. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and when I'm, if I were to expand on it, I think the most important thing I've learned is it, especially in based on what we do when you're in a service business is how incredibly important good people are to your organization Right, right. and to right, treat right. them and to re understand that that is, you know, you can be a technology company, you can be a manufacturing company and you could have proprietary, you know, property that makes you unique and different. And that's unique in our world. Ours is the people. And so I would say, you know, it, as I, you know, at this stage of my life, I realize how incredibly important that is yeah. and that, that treat those people and nobody should be treated different, but treat everybody really the way you want to be treated. That's right. Yeah. And, and how simple it can be, quite yeah, honestly. Exactly. If exactly. you just treat everybody the way that, that, that you want you know, to be treated yourself and that how all many really good businesses run in, because of the people mm -hmm. and, and, and the value right. of that. As we talk about the great That's resignation, right. we talk about the migration. People are thinking about leaving more than they ever have. Mm -hmm. If you're in a, if you own an organization or if you're running, if you've got talented people, keep them, talk to them and keep them engaged. Them. Yep. That's right. Yep. I love that. And I would even say just to plus one that there have been many times where I've gotten calls where people are very whipped up or very upset about something or they have an agenda or whatever it is. And whenever I hit people like that or feel that that energy is coming at me, I will always make sure that my energy is more of me than normal. So I will just be more of my authentic, um, unplussed self. It's like, yes, I see you like this. This will not help if I manage you in the same way that you're, that you are in this conversation. So it's very easy to change the, to, to change the energy of that. Even if other people around you are that way as a leader and as a, as a person working with others, it starts with you. I love that. It, it's, and it's not hard to do. <laughs> no, it's not hard to do. And, and be consistent. And that's, that's, and if you're consistent, yeah. then it isn't hard to do because you're just, you're treating every day and yeah. every conversation with people the same. It's really, it's not that, it's not complicated. Right. Right. Well, I, I appreciate JJ. Did you have anything else for? No, this is great. I, yeah. I wrote some I wrote some notes down that I'm going to start using in my company. <laughs> I'll check it was on fun. That it was well. It's 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 a it's a great topic. It what you guys do is awesome. Um, to be a part of it, I really appreciate it. Uh, honestly, um, so thank you for including me in this. Yeah, yeah, thank absolutely. You, Kurt. Thanks, Kurt. Did you enjoy this episode? Please go to your favorite podcast platform to subscribe, rate, and leave a review so others can discover it as well. Growing self-awareness is a lifelong journey and there's always further to go. And it's better when we're all in it together. Please think of someone you know who could benefit from hearing today's conversation and share this episode with them. We can't thank you enough for listening. Until next time, happy exploring, seekers.